Hi, this is Regeline Saba, also known as Gigi. You're listening to Walk With Me Podcast. My guest today is Andrea Rojas. Andrea Rojas is a sexual assault and domestic violence survivor. Welcome to the show, Andrea. Thank you. Happy to be here. <laughs> I'm happy to have you here. Now, why don't you start off by telling us about you and where you're from? Well, I'm, I was born and raised in New York City. Uh, my family's from Colombia. They they've came here about 71 uh, to Queens and started their lives here. Um, and I was from New York City. I've worked there all my life. I have a younger sister and um, I have a 10 year old daughter, Alexandra. And I've been living in South Florida about last four years. Right now, I live in Juno Beach, Jupiter. That is so, awesome. yeah. I love it. Now, tell us more about the challenge you face in your life, such as sexual assault. Whoa. Um, long story short is I I was a victim of child sexual abuse um, from the ages of seven to ten. Um, two two different uh, abusers. I had one was my aunt's boyfriend at the, at the time. Um, he molested me a very brief period of time, like some months or so, and then for about a year. The second more serious one was my aunt's boy, uh, husband, um, sort of my uncle. So, excuse me. So my parents would work, my aunt would babysit me, and I would always be dropped off at their apartment. Um, so my uncle, um, you know, he would watch me, my aunt would be cooking, you know, or doing some errands and I would always be alone with him. And at first, you know, I liked the attention cause you know, I was really basically alone. My sister would be either at school or I don't know where she was, honestly, <laughs> I don't remember. Um, but then he would molest me, he would abuse me. Uh, he would touch like all my private parts. And, you know, I, at the time, I, I didn't know what to think. You know, I was, I trusted this person and he basically stole my innocence. You know, he violated me and I didn't, I didn't tell anyone. I was terrified. I was afraid to tell my mother at the time. And I pray to God every night. I cry, please let this stop, let this stop. Um, he never stopped and this would happen every week. So if you, you can imagine seven-year-old and a 50-year-old. I mean, it's, um, so anyway, after I prayed and then we all, I think I was about 10, one summer, we all went to the beach in Queens or Long Island. And um, for some reason he tried to touch me again in the ocean, in the water. And I just went like this, like I, I, like I pushed him or shoved him, you know, motioning like, no. And then after that, he stopped. He never touched me ever again. So then when that finally stopped, I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm just, you know, burying this nightmare. I'm going to pretend nothing happened. I'm just going to throw myself into school, which I did. I became an overcheater. I got straight A's. I was like the perfect student, perfect daughter, cleaning the house, like doing all my chores. Like I wanted to be the good girl, quote unquote, to make me feel like I was worth that. Um, so that's how it started. I didn't tell anyone up until, like I said, when I was 16, I was called into the nurse's office. I like injured my knee or something. And they had a questionnaire, like a random questionnaire. They asked all the students, have you ever been sexually abused? 
Um, so then when I saw that, all the memories came back rushing and I started crying. I had a, like, I, I couldn't stop crying, you know, cause you buried it for like 15 years or whatever it is. And boom, it's like a light switch. So um, after that, the guidance counselor, she really helped me. She said, um, listen, we can have counseling. If you don't want to tell your parents, you don't have to, but it's up to you. I'm here for you. So it was like the first person uh, that really was on, was there for me. After that, um, I still didn't tell my parents. I kind of went into a depression. I was at a specialized art high school in New York City. Um, and I wanted to be an illustrator, graphic designer, fashion. I don't know. That was my dream. But with all this coming about, I was like, I wasn't interested in anything. I was really down. And I didn't graduate high school on time. And I went to a community college in Staten Island where we were living at the time. And I flunked out after two years. They, they kicked me out. So my mom was like, either you go to another school or get a job. You can't just be here you know, doing nothing. So I did that. Um, actually had a bad breakup at 21. And then I was like, well, I don't know. I went into, I wanted to get my power back or revenge or something. So I started dating and having one night stands and it turned into a sex addiction. And why I was doing that, not because I like sex that much, was because I wanted my power back with these men. I was like, well, you hurt me so much or the abusers hurt me. I want to get my revenge. I want to get my power and I'm in control, which you do, you lose, you lose your control, you lose your power. But it was in a sick way. Like it was, it was in not sick way. Um, psychologically, it was hurting me even more. And thank God for my mother. She found out what I was doing somehow. And she said, no, this has to stop. Stop seeing men. You can get AIDS. You can get raped, killed somewhere. You don't know these strangers. So she kind of like put her foot down. And I did. I After that, I went and started working in Midtown um, full time. And I had a steady job. And I was fine. Um, then I had a like serious boyfriend at the time. And he was very supportive. I went, I went to therapy and um, group therapy too. And then my therapist said, well, why don't you confront your abuser? Maybe that will help you heal. And I said, and I did that. I confronted my abuser, the my uncle, in front of my parents, in front of my aunts, you know, and they were just like all horrified. And then at first he denied it, but then he said, he went down on his knees, I'll never forget this day, and he begged my forgiveness. And he said, the devil made me do it. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't think that's a good answer. He never said I'm sorry, which they never do. Uh, all the pain, suffering, nothing. So I got nothing. And after that, you know, you think you would feel like, okay, I'm done. Um, I'll be back to normal. And no, you still have to do the work. <laughs> it's not like one, two, three. So healing is a lifetime. That's what I want these survivors to know. It's a lifetime journey it really is a journey because um you know it's just so many ways that you can heal and uh so the therapy i can change you it um but then the thing with healing too is when it the feelings get so strong like the hurt the pain the tears you don't want it's too much that you don't want to deal with it so i stopped therapy i would go back and forth back and forth or i would be a workaholic you know anything to 
not make myself stale and think about it, the pain, right? Um, food, you know, food addiction. Um, then uh, some years later, um, I don't know if you want me to dive into, this is the sexual assault, if you want me to dive into yes. domestic violence now. Okay. okay, so so being a survivor, you kind of um, are brainwashed or your brain is like, your self-worth is very low. At least it was for me. And I didn't think I deserve any anyone good, really. So um, I guess that's what you attract, too. You admit that. So I fell in love with uh, a co-worker of mine. He was a chef at a restaurant. I was a server, then a manager in, in Manhattan. And good person. I mean, one side was good. Um, he was a very passionate chef. I mean, I loved his power. That's what I was attracted to, too. Um, and then, you know, my mom took one look at him, and she was like, who is this guy? I mean, he looks horrible. You know, and he's Mexican, you know, kind of dark, short, very casual looking. And she's like, if you date him or you're going to go out with him, then I, I want you out of the house. And she kicked me out. So I was like... <laughs> I was hurt, I was alone, and he was like, well, why don't you come to my sister's house and we'll get a place on our own. So that's what I did. I kind of went with him. I had nobody really. And um, my sister was living in Florida at the time, so she had her own life. And um, I went with him and we got married and then I got pregnant and then um, I had my daughter in 2010. So, and then all throughout the marriage, you know, he was an alcoholic, so it, it was horrible. Abuse, you know, physical, uh, punching, kicking, uh, yelling. Uh, we go into rages, verbal abuse, physical abuse, mental abuse, sexual abuse. I mean, everything. He would call me, you're a whore, you're, you're you know, in Spanish, puta, like, no one's going to be with you. You know, um, he would call me all these names. So, so every day like a lot of survivors of domestic violence. Um, I mean, I wake up, I'm in fear. I don't know what's gonna happen. I'm always on guard. I always have my heart beating. I'm always watching my back. So, and I was like, you know, my daughter's growing up. I can't have her be in this situation. Like this is not normal and this is not love. And a man, a real man would not treat someone, a woman he loves like this, right? So, so I was planning, I went to Safe Horizon it's a nonprofit organization, New York City. They help with planning, getting out, and also with attorney if you need an attorney. Um, so I started my secret bank account, and this was back in 2016, so about four years ago. So, so in about June of 2016, um, that Thursday night, I remember June 2nd, he came home. I think he was sort of drunk and he came into a rage. <laughs> okay. One of his many rages or from before, but he was really angry because I had taken some money out of the bank and controlling financial abuse too. He would control everything. Every phone call text, he would check my phone. I mean, everything. So he was like, well, why'd you take this amount of money of the bank? What's going on? What'd you do with it? Blah, blah. And I'm like, I had to make up a story because I had to use the money for, I was planning to leave. <laughs> so um, so he just, he didn't want to hear it. So he started out of nowhere, he kicked me and he started punching me in the stomach, 
uh, on my arms. He slapped my face, okay? So I had bruises here, here, all over here. So my mission, my mission, my thing is, all right, I have to control him. I mean, I have to calm him down and so he could pass out, you know? And I have to get out of this shithole now. Like, so what I, after a couple of hours, he finally calmed down and he passed out. Okay, he really passed out. He was snoring and everything. I was like, all right, let me um, take some photos so I can have evidence of my bruises. So I did that. He took my phone. He put it somewhere in the house, uh, in the apartment, and I found it under the bed. So I took pictures of it in the bathroom, and I put it back under the bed so he wouldn't think I took it. And then the next morning, he got up. It was about 8 a.m. And he was like, all right, if you want to separate, let's just give up the apartment. You can have custody of Alexandra, and we'll go our separate ways, like very calm. And with this narcissist, you know, when they're calm like that, you know they're they're planning something in their head. I mean, it's <laughs> so I was terrified. Oh my god, um, I was just like, what is this guy up to? So he said, well, why don't we take? I'm gonna take Alex across the street to the cafe, and I'll meet you there. I have a cup of coffee, and I'll meet you there after you speak to the landlord, give up the apartment. And I'm like, well, why can't we go together? He's like, he's like, no, no, just do what I say. So I said, okay. I mean, I had no choice. So I, I saw them in a little bit. Well, after I spoke to the landlord, I went downstairs. I went to the cafe across the street and I didn't see them. So I called his cell phone and he said, well, what are you guys? Where's Alex? And he's like, what do you care? And he hung up on me. So that's when I got <laughs> scared, right? So then thank God from the grace of God, there was about 10 NYPD officers across the street and they're all there on another incident. And I just ran to them. I'm like, please, I was covered in bruises, right? And I'm like, please, you have to help me. My husband kidnapped my daughter. He hit me, like, please help me get a hold of him. So they called his phone and he was very relaxed. He came back, I guess he was in the car, in his car and he, Alex was fine. And they questioned him across the street. They questioned me and they arrested him. So finally, after seven years, I got him arrested. And I, I'll never forget that look he gave me across the street. Like he had his eyes slightly closed and he was like, you finally did it. So I was, what I was thinking in my mind was like, I need to get him, get the report done as fast as possible and get home and get the hell out of there because I know he would come back and either hurt me or kill me or take Alex. So after the report, they took photos. I filed a report. They said he'd probably get out that night or the next day, which is ridiculous, right? Um, I went back home. I grabbed a bag, got my passport, all the important papers, her birth certificate and uh, some clothes. I called my sister, I told her what was happening, I was crying. And she got the next ticket uh, on the airline out of LaGuardia. And LaGuardia, I think I was right there like 10 minutes away. Um, I went to the airport and this is funny. I had a 3 p.m. flight and $50 in my pocket, right, cash. And the, the uh, the girl at the check-in was like, hey, I have a one o'clock flight. Would you like that for $50 more? <laughs> and I was like, yes, get me out of here. I'm in hell. <laughs> so I go, oh my God, as soon as I got on that plane and it took off, 
you don't understand like my heart like just like went to the ground like i was so relieved my daughter was next to me and um i was thanking god you know finally i'm free it's like a lifetime movie <laughs> right so finally i i flew into fly into a lauderdale airport my parents are there my sister they're crying they see me like all these like they've never seen me like this you know and i never told them you know how bad it was because i didn't want to worry my mother or my sister but after that um you know i started slowly rebuilding my life and then he was calling and acting all innocent because they're good actors, right? And he said, what do you mean bruises? What bruises? I never hurt anyone. You know, he was telling my mother. My mom was like, if you ever go meet, go near me or Alex again, I'll kill you, she said. So she's tough. So finally, like, she stood up for me, you know. And then after that, um, I got a restraining order from New York State and in Florida. In Broward County at the time, so so after that he never contacted us again. No calls, no nothing. Um, and my daughter is fine. I mean, she's after all this emotional um, period, um, she's happy. She's going to school. She's in fourth grade. She's doing well. I mean, she has a small memory of him and not a good memory. Um, last year she's she was like she saw a picture of him because i had a few pictures in a little album and she was like hi um oh i remember him that's willie she calls him from his first name he never calls him dad and um she's like how i'm like yeah do you remember him she's like yeah um he lived with us and remember that time we were in the back of the police car she was saying and he tried to take me and she started crying and that was the first time that I saw her. Wow, she remembers everything, you know. Um, but she's good right now. She's, you know, thank God. She's like my little guardian angel. So, and I, fi I finally got a divorce. So, in June. So, I got a divorce in full custody. So, thank God that paperwork is done. You're a warrior, Andrea. Thank you. <laughs> now, what is your advice to the audience for those that may be going through it or have gone through it to know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel? You know, oh, oh my God. Um, you know, there is. I mean, it, I know it's cliche, but there is a light. Uh, you really have to have hope. I mean, I prayed all the time. And, um, you know, if I can get through it, there's women who have gone through worse. I mean, it's just, with this violence um and uh you just have to have a plan i mean if you have one confidant or like a a co-worker or i don't know um a family member that you trust that you can speak to or go to like i did safe horizon your there's every city has now um like a organization to help victims to get shelter i was willing even if i didn't have my family go to a shelter just just to get out of there you know i didn't care um they will help you i mean it's it's just one phone call you know um and you have to start planning like i i planned i started a secret bank account um or if you work if you work put the money in 
you know, your file at work. I had tons of stuff at work that I kept so he wouldn't see, you know, at home. So, and then just start planning. Tell if a family member can help you, if you have to move, if you have to fly, get a uh, airplane ticket, try to do that because listen, I, I, I wish I would have done this two years earlier. <laughs> you know, wasted so much time, but you know, when you're in it, it's so hard. Um, not only to leave because I'm a terrified every day. I'm afraid that um, I don't know if he's going to kill me or if he's going to hurt me. But financially too, I I couldn't make it on my own either. So that was another thing. I was stuck. And a lot I know a lot of women who cannot afford to live on their own, especially if you have one child. Imagine two, three kids. So it's hard, but don't lose light. I mean, it's there's hope. And you think of the life you can have and for your children. Amen. It, yeah. That's right. Now you mentioned God a, a few times. Yeah. Your relationship with God to you. I mean, it's very important. I mean, um, at first it wasn't always like that. I hated God when I was seven, eight, nine. I said, I hated him so much because I felt like, why are you letting this happen to me? Well, why me? Am I just here on earth to be a sex object to men? That That's what I thought in my brain, that that was the reason I was born. And to strip that thinking, it took it took years of reading books, therapy. I mean, it's, you know, so I hated him at first. I hated going to Catholic school. Thank God I only went two years. And after that, then as you get older and you mature, I read more books, I, you know, I read books on uh, meditation and like Deepak Chopra and how God is very helpful uh, to go through struggles in life. So, so I got really closer to God and um, reading the Bible and uh, especially during my marriage. That is wonderful. Now, Andrea, can you tell us more about any other challenges you experience in your life aside from the sexual assault and domestic violence? Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, from the sexual abuse, um, the challenges is emotionally. I felt like I always felt like there could be a better me, but she got lost in there. Like I always felt like I never lived up to my potential and others would see it. Oh, they said, oh, you can be this. You can be, uh, I don't know, a fashion designer, all this stuff. And I'm like, how, how am I going to do it? You know, I don't even believe in myself. Um, so I always struggled with identity, which is um, a big issue. I don't know who I was. I mean, I was trying to fill role, roles, like trying to be a perfect uh, school student, um, a perfect admin assistant, <laughs> perfect daughter. But I really didn't know who I was. So that's one big challenge. And I still struggle with, but it's less now. Uh, another another struggle is um, believing in myself, the self-esteem, the self-worth. So that's always been here, like low. Um, but doing different things that will keeping promises to myself, that has helped me um, regain my self-work back and regain my power. And another thing is keeping commitments, like keeping my word. That's been a real struggle with for me. And I think it derives with um, still having that little girl inside me, like psychologically 
not growing up mentally. And I've been kind of angry, like, why has my innocence been stolen? And other little girls had their great childhood and they're leaving their great lives and not me. So, so I don't, uh, procrastination, um, not keeping my word, um, not staying with commitments, um, stuff like that. That's been a struggle. Thank you for coming on. Now, was there a time in your life journey where you experienced an aha moment? Yes. Uh, aha moment. Yeah, I, you know, I was, I've been doing a lot of healing pretty much all my life on and off. Um, and then with my daughter, um, you know, she's brought in things that, um, made me learn about myself. And there was one time where, I don't know, I think it was like after school or on the weekend, I think. And she is a great artist. So she drew like this, you know, beautiful little girl herself and like all these flowers and rainbows and it was beautifully detailed and colored. And um, she was like, hi mom, this is for you. You know, I wanted to make you happy. Aww. And, um, you know, so I was happy, but I was crying, tearing up a little bit because I felt like that was how the happiest time I remember my childhood when I was like about three or four years old. I was in preschool in Queens where we used to live outside of Manhattan. And I would be the little artist for everybody. So I would draw little dolls and little girls and everybody was like, oh, can you draw me one? Can you draw me? So I was the artist of the group. And that was always my dream to be an art, to be an artist, to work at a museum. And I felt like, you know what? Why can't I? I'm still young. I can still go back to school. I'm very talented. It, it didn't go away, you know. So I said to myself, why do I keep thinking that I'm not, that I can't do it? So I said, enough of that, those lies, you know. And then my mom also told me, there's a saying in, she's Colombian, there's a saying in Colombia or Latino culture where take out the cockroaches out of your head, meaning um, quita los cucarachas de la cabeza. So that means like take out all the craziness that you have in, in your head or the lies because they're not true and believe in yourself. And that's what I started doing. And I started doing affirmations, which is corny, but it helps. I love it. Yeah, it helps that's a lot. Wonderful. Now, Andrea, you mentioned before you didn't believe in yourself, but would you say today that you do believe in yourself? I do. Absolutely. I do. I love it. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, I'm 45, so <laughs> I didn't think, you know, it would take so long. I would thought, oh, maybe in my thirties I'll be, I'll be fine. <laughs> but still my thirties, I was in a whole, like a horror marriage. So, but you know what? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm in my 40s and I believe in myself now more than ever. And hopefully I feel like I have something to say, like my voice, you know, I have a passion for people. I love people. I mean, I love women. And I feel like as women, we need to support each other uh, more and love each other instead of tearing each other down. Like we shouldn't be jealous of each other. We should be embracing, you know, our differences as well. And, you know, all, all of us at some point has faced 
one struggle or another, one abuse or another. So we all have the same, oh, I felt this. Oh yeah, I felt this too, you know? So why not share? So I feel like giving my voice um, a face to the story is healing. That's right. Your voice really matters. Now tell us more about what gives you joy in your life, Andrea. Well, right now, um, well, I've worked, since I got to Florida, I got a job in hospitality. I was working at Marriott in, in the front desk. I was working in their restaurant as a host host and helping at events in food and beverage. And then I got promoted to concierge a couple of years ago, which is an awesome position. And um, after the Marriott, I moved to Jupiter because I was in Coral Springs, Fort Lauderdale. Um, after that, uh, I got a job in Jupiter Beach Resort in the spa as a coordinator. And then I left that position. Schedules were a little bit too hectic. So I've been working with office team, but, um, you know, and then I've been interviewing for a few positions right now. So hopefully get, hopefully get a call back today yes. to work in concierge. So we'll see. And you will speak it into existence. Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes. Now, what is your best advice for walking with purpose and living a life of happiness? Good question. Um, walking with purpose. Um, well, I feel like happiness, you know, you're not going to be happy every day. You know, life is complicated, as you know. Um, you're going to have ups and downs, good times and bad times. Um, but it's a journey. And you will have happy moments for sure. Um, walking with purpose, I feel like I keep a journal. Um, so I feel like um, I wrote once my mission statement or my purpose, my why, and that is heal others through art. So I feel like um, since I'm an artist, I feel like whether it's writing or uh, you know creating like a painting, watercolor or doing photography, um, dance, um, writing. I feel like that's all art. And then I, I want people to, when they see my art, they feel some type of emotion that, that evokes out of them for them to start their healing journey too. Andrea, thank you so much for being a guest on Walk With Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. (laughs) I really appreciate you sharing your story. It's very powerful, and my heart goes out to you. As you know, myself, I'm a sexual assault and domestic violence survivor as well. So I really appreciate you for just sharing your story. Uh, You're truly a warrior. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, where can the audience find you? Well, I'm on Facebook. So um, you can find me at Andrea Joanna Rojas. J-O-A-N-N-A, Rojas, R-O-J-A-S, on Facebook. And then I belong to, you can see my LinkedIn profile. Um, I belong to a couple of groups on Facebook. One is Healing Through Sexual Abuse, Rachel Grant's group for survivors and healing techniques and workshops. And then the other one is Renee Michelle's group, uh, Women Empowering Women from Victim to Victory. And uh, yeah, she also has a book out, which I have, which has been helpful too. Yes, our good friend Renee Michelle is a very incredible woman. Yeah, she's a powerhouse. <laughs> and so are you. So Thank are you. you. <laughs> Likewise. Now, ladies and gentlemen, make sure to check out Andrea on LinkedIn. And you can see it there, Andrea, A-N-D-R-E-A, last name Rojas, R-O-J-A-S. And Andrea, thank you again so much for being a guest on Walk My With pleasure. Me. Podcast. My pleasure. <laughs> have a wonderful have a weekend. Day. You too.